Well, welcome to First Wednesday. Man, what a great crowd. What a great night, huh? It's going to be good. Lord, help me. If you, I want to get right into the Word, and, and what we're going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to share, I think kind of briefly, maybe not kind of briefly. We'll just kind of see how it goes. And then I don't want to say too much, but I don't want to say not enough. And, <laughs> and I might struggle with the not say. Well, anyway, and then... And then we're going to pray. We're going to spend a little bit of time in prayer, and we'll, we'll end. But we're an, import, we're an important time in our nation. We're, an import, we're at a critical time in, our, in, our, uh, in what's going on. And I really, can I just be honest with you? I wasn't going to say much about the election because I'm just sick of it. And I'm, I'm very disappointed in America and where we are today. But there's too much at stake not to talk about it. And there's too much that we could miss out on if we don't. And so I want to talk to you about it briefly. But this is what the Bible says, and this is where I want to kind of start. When the foundations are, this is what the psalmist said. And obviously in the life of David, some things were going on. In the nation of Israel, some things that were going on that were very disruptive and very, very challenging as a nation. And he said, when the foundations are being destroyed, what can the righteous do? And I think it's a great question for us tonight because... If, if, if you are not living in a bubble, you know that the foundations are being destroyed in America. That we are not the nation that we used to be, nor the nation that I think God desires us to be. As a church, or, or, or even as a nation, and I don't, I don't want to bore you and continue to just bombard you with facts, but again, just to kind of set it up, I think I need to tell you and remind you that the culture since 1960, it's having 467% increase in violent crime. 463% increase in the number of state and federal prisons in America. Since 1960, there's been a 461 increase in out-of-wedlock out births, 200 an increase in children living in single-parent homes, more than double the teen suicide rate, 150 increase in the number of Americans receiving welfare. The foundations are being destroyed. And so the question is, what... What do the righteous do? What's our responsibility? We're, we're, do we play a role in this? What, can we make a difference? Here's, here's what John Winthrop said. John, he was very prophetic. I don't even know if he knew it. In 1630, when the, when the pilgrims were coming over to the Americas, to the, when the earliest settlers were on that boat, he encouraged them and exhorted them. And I want to read it to you. I want you to see it. This is what he said. For we must consider that we shall be as a city upon a hill. He's got, all, he's got hundreds of people on this boat. He's standing on the bow. He, he's kind of the, the, the leader. He, he's kind of trying to cast some vision. What are we doing? Where are we going? What's this about? So as a leader, that's his job because without a vision, the people perish. So let me paint a picture of what we're trying to accomplish, what we're trying to do, John Winthrop was saying. We want to be as a city set up on a hill. The eyes of all people are upon us. Everybody's watching us. So that if this shall deal falsely with our God in this work we have undertaken, if it doesn't work out, and we cause him to withdraw his present help from us, we shall be made a story and a byword through the world. Here, here's what John Winthrop is saying. We are on a great... Yeah, listen, guys, you that are come with me, you that are on the boat beside me, we are undertaking a great a task. We are building a society. We are wanting to create a nation that radiates and reflects and represents Jesus Christ. To those early Americans, they weren't just coming over to start another nation. They just weren't coming over to 
to, to name another state. They, they believed in their heart of hearts that there was a divine destiny upon them, that, it was a, that they were doing this for a redemptive purpose. They saw America as a shining hill, a shining city on a hill, and they committed their lives to making that dream come true for themselves, for their children, and every generation that would follow. It just wasn't some, man, let's just go over there and give this a shot. No, this is a God thing. What we're doing is, it's not even natural, it's supernatural. It's a spiritual thing. And he went on to say, and really prophetically, this is what he said, if our hearts shall turn away so that we will not obey, but shall be seduced and worship other gods, our pleasure and profits, and serve them, it is propounded unto us this day. We shall surely perish out of the good land, whether we pass over this vast sea to possess it. Let me just, our vernacular, we're going a long way. We're stretching out. We're taking a great risk. But if we don't follow the Lord, if we disobey his commands, then it's all in naught. It's all in vain. Therefore, let us choose life that we and our seed may live by obeying his voice and cleaving to him. For he is our life. Who's he? God. That's what he's talking about. For God is our life and our prosperity. And we have done the very things that he warned us not to do. And now we are living with the results. Our, our federal debt is exploding, $20 trillion. I'll talk about that more Sunday morning. Our marriages and families are deteriorating. The tide of cultural pollution is rising. Aren't you glad you came to church today? You feel encouraged? Our education system is collapsing. Our foundations are being destroyed. But here's the good news. I still, I'm still hopeful because nothing's too difficult for God. We, I just don't sing about a song of miracles. I believe God's a miracle-working God. There's no disease he can't heal. There's no sin he can't forgive. There's no condition he can't change. There's no church he can't revive. There is no nation he cannot restore. But we have a part to play. So what will the righteous do? And let me just give you a few things I think are very important tonight that we remember. Number one, we reject fear. We, we, I don't, no matter what's going around, around us, born-again believers need not fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I don't care what's going on around me because God said he will never leave me nor forsake me. That nothing can separate me from the love of God. That no weapon formed against me shall prosper. That he's causing all things to work for my good. I believe God. I believe in his promises. Therefore, I need not fear. Don't, I mean, don't get yourself all stressed out, worked up, in a tissy. Stop it. Trust God. God's bigger than that. God's greater than that. God's above all. He's over all. He's in all. He's our God, and beside him there is no other. Fear not. Reject fear. Here's here's another thing. We have to. When the foundations are being destroyed, what do the righteous do? They realign under the lordship of Christ. What, what do I mean by that? George Barner wrote a book. It's called Future Cast. And in the book, he said 85% of Americans identify themselves as Christian. 84% consider the Bible as a holy or sacred book. Now, now, think about those statistics a minute and just summarize them with this. The average American household owns four Bibles. More than 8 out of 10 Americans say they're believers and believe in God's word. 
Yet over the last few decades, our country has experienced more on spiritual breakdown in an unprecedented rate. Why is that? How can 8 out of 10 people believe in God's word and call themselves Christian and, and the fabric and the foundation of our culture is deteriorating? Because there's a serious disconnect between who Americans say they are and what they say they believe and how they live. And if we're going to change the tide and be a part of what God is doing in the earth, Jesus would say, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? Why would you claim that my book is holy and it's the written word of God, but not follow it? Why would you claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ, but not let me lead every area of your life? Uh, if, if, if it's true... Eight out of ten, if we would just start living like Jesus is king, like Jesus is Lord, like Jesus is authority. And this is what I know. I can't make the other, I'm one of the eight. I can't make the other seven. But I can examine my heart. And I can be, I can say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I'm going to honor the word. I'm going to live for righteousness. I'm going to serve God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. I'm going to be passionate in my relationship with Christ. What would happen if, if only 10% started living like we ought to live according to God's word? You know, on the flip side, those who self-identify, and this is not a slam, this is a statement. Those that self-identify as lesbian or gay or bisexual or transgender only equates to 3% of the population in America. Really less than 3 That's probably a real liberal, liberal number right there. Yet they have become very vocal, well-organized, well-funded, and highly motivated. They have used the courts, the media, the political system, the entertainment world, and even education to, to mainstream their lifestyle choices. And they have been extremely successful at pushing their agenda. And again, they're not the enemy. The system and the ideology which they are trying to push is the enemy. But what if 10% of the, of the church would sell out to Jesus Christ and live under his absolute authority and his headship? What if we as the body of Christ were vocal in our convictions and unified in our purpose and highly motivated in the mission of God? What if we really began to work hard on our marriages, loving one another and submitting to one another and devoting to one another? And, and where Christian marriages became, that's what I want for the believer and the unbeliever. What if our work ethic and character and integrity shined so bright to our neighbors and co-workers that they said, man, I don't, I don't know what he's got, but that's what I want. What if our peace in the, in the midst of crisis and our joy in the midst of unfortunate circumstances and our resilience in the midst of opposition and our love in the midst of differing beliefs and values were a testimony to the grace and the goodness of God? I'm, what do the righteous do when the foundation is faltering, when it's cracking? They dig their heels in. They dig into the Word of God. They get filled with the Holy Spirit, and they serve God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. What do the righteous do? Here, here's another thing. They vote their values. We have, a, and we, we have an election coming up Tuesday. Again, not excited about it. But it's important. And, and, and what's important? Again, when the foundations are being destroyed, what are the foundations? And, and we've, we've, we've really got to consider what is foundational. Is, 
is, is social justice issues foundational? They're very important. Don't get me wrong. The Bible is full of social justice. But social justice without Jesus is injustice. The government was not... In 1960, the government declared a war on poverty. There are more people poor now than there's ever been. The government system does not work. It never works when you try to give a hand out, not a hand up. It does not work. The government system does not have the compassion. It does not have the necessary. That's why Angie and I and so many others, not just us, are in this fostering system. And, and we've become committed to it. And, and there are so many well-being Many of the social workers at Chesterfield County are born again believers and they get into the field because they want to make a difference. But the system is so broke. The system is so messed up because it's not, it, you just, you can't do Jesus stuff without Jesus. You can't, you can't fix problems without. So, so I don't even think the government was meant to, to be the social justice arm of the world. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ is supposed to be the justice, the, the feeding the poor and the helping the sick. And then and, and you, can, you can pass the buck and say, well, it's the government's job. Are we as the church can arise and take our rightful place and begin to be the church in a hurting and a lost world? And, 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 and it's not, it's not, I don't even think the economy, though as important as it is, is not a foundational issue. What's foundational is the sanctity of human life, because that's where everything starts. And look, look, I don't care. I, I don't care. I, I just, I don't care what you, if you get offended with me or what, it, here's what they say. I, I just disagree because these, pro, these pro-life people, all they want to do is stand on that one issue. And they don't care about everything else. And I'm, I'm not saying that issues matter. But there's, there's a few issues that are foundational. And the right to life is foundational. It's not. It's not. Well, well, well. It, it, the, everything else is secondary when it comes to that. See, pro-life deals with the first right on which all the other rights are based. Pro-life says life is precious and miraculous and delicate. Delicate. It was created by a loving God who makes human beings unique. Life is a fundamental God-given right. Here's what our Declaration of Independence says. All men are endued. That word, I had to look it up because I want to make sure to get it right. All men are given by their creator. And, and, and we're talking, you know, we're, we're talking about equality. And man, our world, our world needs to change. I'm not, I'm not doubting that. We... We got a long, we've come a long way, but we got a long way to go. But you cannot have equality if you don't believe in a creator. You, you cannot have equality if you don't believe in creation. You, you believe in evolution. It, you know what evolution is all about? It's all about the, the strong overcoming the, the weak. It's all about the strongest survive. If you, because the, the government does not give us our rights. We have been given our rights by Almighty God. And that's what the Declaration of Independence is trying to say. They are unalienable. That means that they can't be taken away. They, our Creator has given us some rights. And among those are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And the order is important. Because if you don't have life, you can't have liberty. And if you don't have life, you can't, you can't pursue happiness. 
Yet abortion ends the life of 1.2 million unborn children in America every year. And I know this is a sensitive subject and I don't want to be insensitive, but 22% of all pregnancies end in abortion. Since, 1953, uh, since 1973, 59 million babies have been murdered. And I say, how can this be happening? Why are we debating this? Why are political platforms based on this issue? Why is our country so divided over this procedure? Why, why is this even a question and why do I have to preach on this? Because there's a devil that has come to steal, kill, and destroy, and, is de- and he has deceived people into believing that it's okay to do wrong if the wrong produces the wanted results. So let's kill a baby if a teenager doesn't want to become a mom. Or let's take the baby so a single mom doesn't have to raise it by herself. Or let's destroy a baby because it's hard on family raising a special needs kids. Listen, it's never right to do wrong, regardless of the results. The Supreme Court of the United States has said that a baby in its mother womb does not have any rights. And their rationale is that a lot. Here's why. Because that baby cannot sustain life on their own. I have a six-year-old little boy. He cannot sustain life on his own. If I don't feed him and take care of him and help him, he will die. You, will, you cannot put him out in the woods and say, make it, Micah. That, that Tarzan is a myth. The lions are not going to raise him. He is going to die. Well, they, they are undeveloped. A baby in its womb, mother's womb is undeveloped. Many children are born undeveloped. And we let them live, and rightfully so. In fact, we have state-funded institutions which care for them. Because, because they matter. Here's another argument. Well, they have no utility. They have, they're, they're just useless. They, they, they can't do anything. Look, I had a grandfather in his later years. It started with night timers where at night he got all uh, discombobulated. Is that a word? And, and then it went in. Eventually it got into Alzheimer's where, I mean, he, he was, so what do we do? Would you, do we kill him? Is that, is, that, is, is that what we do? No. What, is, what does God say? And I'm, this is foundational. This isn't another issue. This isn't one issue of many issues. This is the foundation. If, you, if we don't guarantee the right to life, all other rights are thrown out the window. Here's what Jesus said. Here's what the Word of God said. For you created me in my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. For my frame was not hidden from me, from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body, and all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. It's just the word of God. Let me give you more. This is what the Lord says. He who made you, who formed you in the womb, I, the Lord, am the maker of all things. Here, here's what the word of God says. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations, Jeremiah. Oh, Jeremiah's questioning his calling. He's doubting his significance. Jeremiah, I want you to know, when you were in your mother's womb, I had my eye on you. When, I, when you were in your mother's womb, I was giving you giftings and callings and setting you apart for such a time as this. It wasn't when you breathed your first breath out of the womb. It was when you were being knit together in your mother's womb. Job 31, 15. Did not he who made... 
who made me in the womb make them, did not the same one form both of us within our mother's womb. Isaiah 49.1, listen to me, O islands, and pay attention, you people from afar. The Lord called me from the womb, from the body of my mother. He named me. Let, let's, let me just give you some more. Luke 141, the context, Elizabeth goes to see Mary, and the, and the baby jumps. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby, not the fetus, not the tissue, not something. The baby leaped in her womb. Why? Because it's a baby in the womb. It's not a tissue. It's not an organ attached to that mother's body. It is a, it is a baby made in the image and the, and the, and the, and the image of God and created for a, for a specific perfect purpose and a divine destiny. Galatians 1.5. But when he who had set me apart before I was born, and he called me through his grace, the Supreme Court has ruled that a baby in its mother's womb does not have rights and is not a person. But God has declared that a child in a mother's womb is human, is a person, and has value and worth. If it's about choice, why don't you let the child choose? Especially if it's a little girl, because according to pro-choicer, choicer, she has a right over her body. Let the kid make their choice, and I guarantee they'll choose life. It boggles my mind. We fight for whales and turn our heads to the unborn. We love baby seals and kill baby humans. Well, pastor, what about rape and incest? 0.06% of people that are raped, and it's, I'm not, again, I'm not, I'm not being insensitive, become pregnant. 0.06%. Because of the turmoil and the strife and all that's going on, the scientists tell us that the system kind of closed down and it's, and it's rare. And so, and so a, a pro-life, a pro-life uh, lawyer had an argument with Planned Parenthood. And they said, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll fall to that. Anybody raping incest, we'll give you the 0.06%, but give us the other 99 whatever percent it is. And they weren't willing to yield. You know why? Here's why. Because this year they'll make over $700 million in performing abortions. It, it, this is not... This is not a light issue. What, what, what do we do when the foundations are crumbling? What do the righteous do? Well, they don't fear. They come under the authority of God. They, they vote their values and what really matters. And I, I, I want you to be educated voters. And I want you to go to the sites. I'm going to talk. Can I say this? And I can, can I say it again Sunday? There is a platform at every convention, the Democratic convention, the Republican convention, when they get together, they write a document called the, their platform. And that platform, it, it, it is the guideline of how they, were, how they will govern. It's, it's, it's the, it, it determines what, what, what principles are, are, which laws they'll try to pass. And, and it's a, it's a, am I boring you? It's a known, here, here's the deal. In the past, the, the platform that is presented in one party, 75% stick to the platform, and the other party, 80% stick to the platform. So I only say to say, what you see in the platform is usually what you get in the politician. There, one platform says, we want to kill babies up until term. And we want to use tax dollars to do it. In fact, we want to force employees that disagree with it that they got to pay for it. In fact, we want to use tax dollars 
to go overseas and push our pro-choice agenda on pro-life nations that don't want to do it. We want to use tax dollars to influence other nations to kill and to abort babies. You got to know where, where the platform is. You got you, you, you to gotta be educated. And a non-vote's a vote. Here, here's the last thing. And my emails are closed for the next four days. <laughs> it says block sender, so don't even try to send it. Send it to Andrew. His is wide open, man. He'll, <laughs> he'll answer every question. <laughs> here's the last thing. Pray. If my people, come back, praise band. Oh, here he comes. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven. Then I'll forgive their sin, and then I'll heal their, heal their land. We need revival. Um, man, we need revival. I said it Sunday, but can I just, can I just repeat this again? I don't have it up there, but I'm going to read it to you. I've heard about you, Lord, and I'm filled with awe by the amazing things you've done. In this time of our deep need, begin, O Lord, again to help us as you did in years gone by. Show us your power and save us. In your anger, remember mercy. I'm praying for revival. I'm, I'm praying for renewal. I'm, I'm praying for a move of God. you got to know we're engaged in a great spiritual war with the forces of evil and directed by the prince of darkness himself and the price is too high and the cost is too great and the call and the consequence is too enormous for us to stand by and do nothing when the foundations are being destroyed what can the righteous do they can reject fear realign under the lordship of jesus vote your values and pray why because the prayer of the righteous accomplishes much. Amen, everybody. Amen. 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 Do it again, Lord. Do it again, God. Why don't you stand to your feet? Lord, we need you. Will you lift your voice with mine? Lord, we need you. Lord, we need a sovereign move of God. We need you to sweep across this nation with your power. Lord, we've heard of old revivals. Do it again, God. Renew it in our day. Sin revival, renew an outpouring of your spirit. Blow across our land. Lord, there's a remnant of people that are hungry for you, that are thirsty for you, that are longing for you, that are, that are they're not, they're not settled with just allowing the enemy to have his way and, a, and an unbiblical worldview to be pushed down our throats. We're going to stand on your word and cry out to you. And we're going to believe for revival, Jesus. We're going to believe for an awakening that's going to stir our kids and change our schools, transform our homes. And Lord, reestablish the foundations upon which this nation was built. God, what should the righteous do? Lord, help us tonight to reject fear. Help us tonight to refuse to become anxious and stressed and worried about things we cannot control. May we place them in the hands of Almighty God. Lord, I pray that you'll help us to realign ourselves under the Lordship and Headship of Jesus. Lord, you are our King. You are our Lord. I'm not, Jesus. I, I, by an act of my mind, I take myself off the throne of my heart and I replace it with you, Jesus.
You're in charge. You're in control. May I say what you want me to say and do what you want me to do and go where you want me to go, God. May I be led and directed by you. Lord, you're not a God that I worship on Sunday. You are the king of my life. You're the Lord of my heart. You're my everything, God. And my, may my life proclaim that. And my, may my actions display it, I pray in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray that we'll vote our values, that when we go to that poll, Lord, that we'll understand what each platform represents and that we will, we will vote for life, God. That we will stand for the things in your word that really matter. And God, I pray that you'll help us to be people of prayer. Not just collectively, but individually. Lord, stir us at night. Wake us in the morning. Cause us, God, to cry out to you day and night for a revival, for a move of God. May we not be complacent. May we not be casual. Lord, remind us of the times that are so desperate, the need that is so great. May the people of God arise. May we not miss the opportunity that you've placed before us. With great opposition is always great opportunity. May we fight the battle on our knees, God. May we, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through prayer for the pulling down of strongholds. May we pull down strongholds in the mighty name of Jesus. Help us, Lord, I ask. Help us, Lord, I ask. Jennifer, will you come and and, uh, lead us out in prayer for our nation tonight, will you?